0: This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel.
1: Benjamin Franklin once said wisely, if you desire many things, many things will seem few. If our desire and our appetites are just for the things, the more in this world, I need more in this world, I need more in this world, the more will never be enough. It will never be the one thing that we actually need. But when we focus our desire and we say everything comes under the umbrella of my desire for Christ, my desire for God to be part of His plan, to be part of His will, and ultimately my desire to be with Him forever, then everything else flows
0: out of that. What are you longing for today? Maybe you want a new car, a new house, a new job, a new relationship. Sadly, all these things will be gone one day. Your life on earth is very short. And that's why it's so important to prioritize using your time wisely. Seeking God and spending time focusing on His plan for you will always reward your heart. You will feel full and complete, knowing that your eternity is safe with Him. Today, Pastor Josh will remind you of why you should focus everything under God's desires. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As he continues his message, Faith Declares Jesus is Better.
1: Perhaps you've heard the story of pioneer missionary Henry Morrison Henry was returning to the States after 40 years of serving God as a missionary in Africa he was on board the same boat as President Teddy Roosevelt who was returning from a safari in Africa and when the boat docked in New York Harbor a huge reception of people and photographers and press were there to meet the president Morrison exited the boat alone and dejected. Not one person welcomed him. Not one person was there to see him. He just spent 40 years serving the Lord in Africa. Now, in his return home, no one seemed to care. And it's recorded that as he was getting off the, board, the boat, the Lord reminded him, Henry, you're not home yet. Oh, trust me, when you cross the shores of heaven, Jesus will be there Amen. with rewards and praise. And all the saints who have gone before cheering you as you cross those border lines into your eternal home. But here and now we got to be cautious and leery about how rooted we become in this world. Peter calls us sojourners and pilgrims. Philippians 3 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven from where we wait eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship, we are merely passing through. And what does it look like for us to embrace and confess our temporary status here in this life? Well, what I think that looks like is that to embrace and confess that this is not my home is an act of surrender. It's saying, Lord, Lord, my will, I surrender to yours. My money, I surrender to your purposes. My home, my family, my ambitions, my dreams, I put them all under the umbrella of your authority, of your plan, because by faith, I believe that being in the center of God's will in danger is safer than being out of God's will in the security of the world. That sounds really hard it almost sounds like you have to have faith. That's what faith is. Again, please don't hear me wrong. Faith doesn't demand that we not enjoy life or that we get rid of all of our comforts or that we don't pursue what's best for our families or our finances. No, faith always stewards everything wisely, but faith always subjects our worldly pursuits under the authority of our king. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things shall be added to you, Jesus said. Our third characteristic of faith is that faith, true faith, doesn't look back. True faith doesn't look back. Look at verse 15. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. In other words, at any point in time when Abraham and Sarah were in a, in a pickle or in an uncomfortable situation, Abraham could have said, you know what, this is getting, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's happening. Let's just go back to what we knew was comfortable. I'm with you. Let's go. At any point in time, Moses and the people of Israel could have gone back to Egypt and the people of Israel actually were demanding several times, take us back to Egypt, this is better, the whole, whole concept blows my mind, like, we would rather spend one day in slavery being comfortable than a day in freedom being challenged. By the way, I think that's a major deception the enemy still using in our culture today. People will, be, will, will gladly be comfortable slaves than have to fight for freedom but I will digress if I keep going, so. <laughs> Noah could have gone home with his family and kids not bothered, bothered with that silly ark that gets everyone laughing at us and we're being mocked and ridiculed and why don't we see a cloud in the sky and what's this idea of rain and storm? Well, I don't get it. Let's just go back to what made sense in this world. Lot's wife, upon exiting Sodom and Gomorrah as it was being Demolished for their sin. God said, Don't look back towards that city. But Lot's wife, longing for the pleasures of the world, the comfort of Sodom and Gomorrah, looked back. And needless to say, she was divinely assaulted. When Jesus said, Be the salt of the earth, he certainly didn't mean that. In all seriousness, here's a fact. God is not forcing anyone to follow him. It's always a choice. Count the costs. Weigh the evidence. And if you decide to follow Jesus, follow him with your whole heart. No regrets. No looking back. No longing for what was before. But pressing forward in faith Toward the goodness and the promises that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62 No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And the beauty of that analogy is once that plow is in the ground and the oxen are moving forward, what does that mean? It means there's work that has to be done. And anyone who turns around or gets distracted or longs to go back away from the work leaves an entire field of work yet undone. And Jesus is saying, there is kingdom work that has to be done. And it requires faith, but it also requires someone to be looking and focusing on what's ahead. and Not looking back, he said, if, if, they could have gone, if they could have had this opportunity, they could have gone back to their country, but that's not what they did. Because faith doesn't draw people back towards the comfort and safety of the world. It presses people forward toward the calling of God. Paul carried the same attitude towards his life and ministry. After he had an undeniable encounter with the risen Jesus historically, Paul gave his life to Jesus. And to the Philippians, he wrote this. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I'm not complete yet. But one thing I do, I forget that which is behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call, in God, in Christ Jesus. When Paul says this, we often, I often wonder, well, what were the things that he let go of? What were the things he said, I, I choose not to remember the things that are behind me? Is he talking about his sin? Probably. Are you guys grateful this morning that once you come to Jesus, you never have to be reminded of the sin of your past again? But what else did he let go of? Who was Paul? Well, He was trained under the most prestigious rabbinic training of that day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, which means he had pedigree. He had prestige. He had power. He had authority. He had the power in the name of the Sanhedrin and the Jewish religion in Israel, the political leaders in Israel, to go and wreak havoc on the church of Jesus Christ. He had a comfortable life. There's no doubt he had a home. Maybe he even had a vacation home. That's not in the Bible. That's just me saying, okay? What what I mean is Paul was set. Every worldly ambition he could have hoped to achieve, he did achieve. And he said, when I met Jesus, and he blinded me, and then he healed me, and then he filled me with his spirit, and then he called me to take his gospel, when I met Jesus every other thing I accomplished and I gained and I stored up for myself ended up looking like dung compared to the beauty I saw in Christ. And that's what he said, I count all things as loss, I count all things as trash, as dung, that's the word he used, compared to the excellency of knowing Christ. He said, it's okay that I suffered the loss of all those things. Because now I have a treasure that's so much better, so much more fulfilling, so much more rewarding. And that's my pursuit of Christ. And his confidence was this. I don't look at what's behind, I press forward to what's ahead. And there is something very freeing in faith when we let go of things that were lost and we look forward to that which will be gained as we follow Jesus. So how do we embrace How do we confess today that we are pilgrims here on this earth? Well, at the risk of being very borderline cheesy, I want you to embrace and confess with me. Would you read something with me? And if you don't want to, by all means, don't do it. If you're like, I'm not surrendering, I'm not. But would you embrace and confess this with me? Let's read this together. I... I am a follower of Christ. My destination is heaven, and I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I am loved by God, forgiven, and redeemed. I will not look back or give up until I die or Jesus returns. Amen? Amen. True faith is always looking forward and never backward. Finally, let's close with this final point in verse 16. That true faith seeks a better homeland, or we might say a better country, as it's translated in the King James. Faith seeks a better country. We close in verse 16. They desire, that means to long for, a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The Greek tenses in this verse are a little complicated to try to translate. Some translations bring this into the past tense, like the New Living Translation says they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland, implying that when they were living on earth, they were expecting, looking forward to heaven. They were looking forward to being with God, which I think and I believe is true. I mean, that's what we've been talking about, right? But the New King James and the ASV translate it in the present tense. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Like now, while I'm writing this, while you're reading this, right now. And how is that? Well, Abraham and Sarah are alive. You know that, right? They're not dead. They're spiritually alive with the Lord right now. And from their vantage point right now, they are seeing what God is preparing for those who love him. They are seeing the new Jerusalem. They are seeing the heavenly city that God is preparing. They are seeing the future of the new heaven and the new earth And they're saying, boy, that was worth it. So whether it was past tense or present tense, I don't know. It all is yes. It's all true. One day when we're in heaven, one day when we're with Jesus, we're going to say, you know what? That was all worth it. That was all worth it. They knew that what God has planned for them later far outweighs what the world can give them now. God has a better city prepared for them. And notice he says he's not ashamed to be called their God because they were not ashamed to, to embrace and confess by faith God in the midst of their world. God is not ashamed to embrace and confess them as his children. But notice this word longing. They longed, I love this word, they longed for a heavenly homeland, for a better country. Do you remember when Jesus said, wherever your... Treasure is, that's where your what? Heart is. In other words, you live for what you long for. You will live for what you long for. If we desire heaven, we will live for heaven. This is why King David was a man after God's own heart. He said in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's talking about eternity now. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He says, if I could have one thing, it wouldn't be my throne in Jerusalem. It wouldn't be the kingdom that I've built. It wouldn't be defeating my enemies in the next battle. All those things are important, and those, all those things I've got to do while I'm here on earth. But if there's one thing I want above everything else, it's just to be with God. I just want to be in his beauty I want to hear his voice. I just want to be with him all the time. And Christian, Benjamin Franklin once said wisely, if you desire many things, many things will seem few. If our desire and our appetites are just for the things, to more in this world, I need more in this world, I need more in this world, the more will never be enough. It will never be the one thing that we actually need. But when we focus our desire and we say everything comes under the umbrella of my desire for Christ, my desire for God, to be part of his plan, to be part of his will, and ultimately my desire to be with him forever, then everything else flows out of that one place. I have, I hope, the humility to confess as your pastor that this is not the daily reality of my life. I want it to be. But I still wake up in the morning and go throughout my day and go to bed at night thinking, I want that and I want that and, and and not even considering the fact Jesus might come back right now, this whole world might burn away, and I might enter into my eternal life right now. But I want that to be more of a part of my life. I want to long for heaven. I hope Jesus doesn't come back today. I'm about to get married. Can't he wait till after the summer vacation? We've been planning for it our whole lives. My friend, if that's the way you think, I'm, I'm not insulting you. I'm just saying you have no comprehension of the good things that God has planned for you. Amen. The Bible says it like this, no eye has seen. What have you seen in your life that you've just said, that is beautiful, that is amazing, I am awestruck. No eye has ever seen. Nor, nor ear has heard. What have you heard in, in music, in poetry, and preaching and that has just moved you to tears and challenged you, oh, no ear has ever heard, nor has even entered into the mind of man. What have you conceived for yourself on earth? If I could just have this, if I could have that house, if I could build that thing, if I could just have all that, it would be like heaven on earth. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no nor has entered into the, into the thoughts of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Everything you've seen, everything you've heard, and everything you've ever thought about for your life is peanuts compared to how good what God has you to see, what God has you to hear, and what God has you to experience when you are with him forever. I'll end with this point. We need to increase our diet, our spiritual diet for heaven. I mean, we can all be honest on earth. It's much easier to be attracted to foods that taste good rather than that are good for you. Maybe I'm the only one who struggles with this, but by the way, whoever keeps putting a box of Twinkies at my office every week, you need to stop. I said something in a sermon one time about Twinkies being good, and I get a box of Twinkies anonymously at my, at my office every week. I won't tell you if I'm eating them or not. Seriously, though, it's, it's that I want my spiritual hunger not to be filled with the with the appetites of the world, but I want them to be filled with an appetite for heaven. Oh, that our desire would be like those in Hebrews 11. May the world seem like a poor second best to that which God has prepared for us. He says they desire a better country. I like this language. I think we live in a pretty good country for all of our failures our mistakes, even for our outright current rebellion against God in so many ways which breaks my heart, I still believe that we live in one of the most prosperous, opportunity-driven, and generous countries in the world. Amen. Which is why I seek to try to uphold a biblical worldview and my, live righteously within it because I want it to be better for everyone around me. Amen. It's why I vote. It's why I tell, oh, Josh is getting political again. <laughs> Relax. It's why I encourage you to vote. It's why I encourage you to do everything you can to stand up for what is good and right for the sake of your neighbor, for the sake of the community, for the sake of the country, for the sake of God's favor and blessing. We have been granted a huge stewardship in America. And you can spend all your time putting it down and stomping on it and criticizing self-righteously all you want, but we have an opportunity here to do a lot of good, which we should do. But all that being said, I am under no illusion that America is my permanent heavenly home. Like Abraham, I too desire a better country where I am a citizen. I desire a country where there are no more tears, where sin ravages no more lives, a country where Jesus is enthroned and wicked human agendas have no place, a country where righteousness dwells and evil is eradicated. That's the country I want. And until I get there, I'm going to do my best to bring that country to this one. But that doesn't mean that I am rooting myself here. I want myself to be rooted in heaven and that You've heard the phrase, oh, you're so heavenly-minded, you're of no earthly good. I've never met someone who's so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. But I've met a lot of people who are so earthly-minded that they're of no heavenly good. I think if you really are heavenly-minded, you can't look around you and apathetically shrug off the responsibility to love your neighbor and to be the salt and the light of the earth and to preach the gospel and to give yourself away. That's what heaven motivates us to do. Amen. And that's what a life of faith looks like. Amen? Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word. So It's so rich and so full. We have a lot to process. So divinely inspired, your spirit is even prompting our hearts even now. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to see what is it that Jesus is asking me to do? Where are areas in my life where I need to believe the promises of heaven above what I see in my temporary experience or circumstance? Lord, that we would count you as faithful and trust in your faithfulness. Lord, that we would be those who do not look backward but press forward. Lord, that we would be those who are constantly reorienting our priorities around what matters in the kingdom. And Lord, we we too say with that man in the scripture that we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us in the areas where we need an infusion of power from your spirit and encouragement from your word. Would you lift us up? Would you cause our trust and our hope to be anchored in you? This world and all of that, that is in it is passing away, the form thereof. But your words will never pass away. Your truth will endure forever. And we look forward, Lord, to the day that we will see and experience and know that very reality. But until then, Lord, we ask that you help us to live a life of faith, and not by sight. We pray you be with our church We pray that you would establish us in this community. We pray for the loss of our community. Those who are wandering in darkness and expressing the pain and hurt that's in their life in various sinful ways. We ask that the light of Jesus would come on them and that's not some spiritual type of prayer. That's where we ask that the light of Jesus would shine on them through us. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This has been another edition of The Ascending Life, a ministry of Grace Calvary Church with Pastor Josh Blevins. Thanks for tuning in as we study the book of Hebrews together. If this teaching blessed you in any way, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 816-279-2090 and let us know more about you and what we can join you in prayer for. That number again is 816-279-2090 or you can connect with us at theascendinglife.com. We're so glad you've been listening today to The Ascending Life. But we want to make sure this isn't your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible urges all of us to get involved in a local church, not just for the benefit of the body of Christ, but also for your growth on your own faith journey. If you live in or are visiting the St. Joseph area, we'd like to personally invite you to join us at Grace Calvary Church. We meet each Sunday at 8 and 10.30 a.m., and we'd love to have you join us you can expect a time of fellowship, including worship and Bible study. For directions and more about Grace Calvary Church, visit our website at theascendinglife.com. Again, the website is theascendinglife.com. We hope to see you there. Our time with you today is coming to an end, but we're so glad you tuned in to today's message from Hebrews. Be sure to join Pastor Josh next time to learn more from God's Word, right here on The Ascending Life. See you.